We are Wrestling Elitist. I'm Chris Scott Moore, hosting with Alex Gibson and Sean Nash. Guys, welcome to our first show. We finally made it. (laughs) Finally made it indeed. So we've been talking about doing a podcast and a website probably on and off for, what, two years? Um, And then with the pandemic uh, taking the wind out of our sails and the product certainly did suffer for a little bit of time. And then with uh, CM Punk's return and all of the new signings by AEW, we really felt, okay, now we have to get on the ground floor. Now is the time to kick this off. Uh, And then on a personal level, uh, my favorite brewery and bar that I go to uh, just recently sold for an unbelievably low price to the point where I was like, oh my God, if I knew I would have bought it, not that I would actually want to have a brewery, but it kicked off the idea of, you know what, if you have an idea, go for it. Um, and why not have an interesting life and why not seek a great opportunity and especially doing something with my great friends as well. So uh, it inspired me to come out of the closet and not feel guilt and shame over my guiltiest and most shameful pleasure, professional wrestling. So we have launched WrestlingElitist.com. You can go there and see weekly columns and articles um, and then star ratings on AEW shows as they go live. And then also our podcast is available wherever podcasts are and wherever you subscribe to on iTunes and Spotify. So the way the format of the show is going to work And this is what we think the show is going to be right now is we'll go over our individual matches of the week that we thought was the match of the week. Excuse me. Then we'll go into what we thought was the moment of the week, news item of the week, cringeworthy moments of the week. So what was the thing that made you kind of embarrassed as a wrestling fan? And then we'll go into what we anticipate, what we're excited about and what we're uh, fanatical about as wrestling fans. So that's what our show is going to be. Alex, do you want to talk about what we're not going to do? Yeah, we're not going to be anything that you really think of when you think of the internet wrestling community. We don't want to be negative about the shows that we don't watch. We don't want to be tribalistic. Um, We want to watch what we like and then talk about that. And there's going to be things in AEW that we don't like that happens, and that might fall into the cringeworthy category. But as Cody Rhodes always says, wrestling is a buffet. Uh, We understand that not everything is going to be directed at us and we're still going to talk about it, but we're also not going to spend a bunch of time complaining about shows that we hate to watch. Uh, Once we get to the time of the year for rumble or WrestleMania, we're probably going to talk about that when it comes to WWE or if they really turn things around to where it catches our attention and we start watching that a little bit more than AEW, we absolutely will pivot. Uh, We're not married to the idea of only talking about AEW, but this is what we enjoy watching. I think our passion for pro wrestling has really been strengthened over the last few years based on what we've seen from this team on TNT with Tony Khan and the crew. So that's pretty much what we're going to be doing. And I think the next thing that we really want to talk about, though, is uh, from Sean talking to us about how we met and kind of how this all started. Yes, it's a a long and storied past that we've gone through, all of us. Um, Started with an excursion up to Central Michigan University, where I spent my first year in college. Two doors down was a kid named Alex Gibson. Kicked it off, nothing too bad, didn't really hang out. But then once I leave and come back home, we find a, we both had an interest in pro wrestling. And from there, it sparked. We traveled the roads, went to shows, and we've seen it all, nearly. And along that way, Alex 
got a career in HR and then had a fabulous mentor named Chris who also had that same love that we have for pro wrestling. And it just ever since has just been good times, wrestling shows, cookouts, and boys being boys in the good way, not any kind of way that's inappropriate. Yeah. So, um, you know, just to reiterate right now, we are in a resurgence of the wrestling industry. It's as great as it's been since the nineties. And we are in something of a renaissance, which sounds a little bit pretentious and a bit much to say, but it's very true. The quality is as high as it's ever been. So now is the time to get this started. And speaking of highest of highs, let's go into match of the week. So Alex, what was your match of the week? Uh, I think it's going to be a common theme for this week. Uh, it was Brian Danielson and Minoru Suzuki. Circle the bases. So from that match, I think, was as good as it could possibly be without having a true story around it. Um, you know, that's why for me, it was a four star match because of the fact that we couldn't really we couldn't bridge that gap from there really being anything for them to tell because this match was essentially it was a which is crazy. It was a free YouTube match. Uh, I think in a couple of years ago, if somebody had told us that Daniel Bryan was facing Minoru Suzuki in a YouTube match for free, we would have been offended for them. We would have thought this is crazy, but it was a little bit of something that was an attack on uh, the competition from AEW and they wanted to kind of counter program on YouTube. So I think that that was kind of interesting, but overall I thought it was a great match, hard hitting. There were some really fun spots with kind of going back and forth with uh, the kicks and the forearms and then Suzuki just knocking Danielson down uh, with the one shot. Uh, overall, just a great match for me. And it's a shame that Suzuki is just kind of here on a little bit of a tour of duty because I would love to see them get a proper feud and and a proper pay-per-view match. Um, I definitely have to agree with that sentiment. Uh, Suzuki versus Danielson was by and far the best match of the week. Uh, I reiterate the four stars. Um, just being able to see the fire that the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, has been holding down for so long. It's great to see that come out from the shot of one Suzuki elbow strike, him getting up, just getting back in his face. Something he kind of missed with that red meat baby face that he had in a different career in a different company that it's just great to see. And I'm happy to see Suzuki on just this U S tour. Like you were saying, being able to have all these amazing matches with people like, Last week, I think just us guys talked about Daniel Garcia and Suzuki is the master of evil crap, getting out of submissions and making you feel like you're in a torture chamber. There's nothing more to be said for Suzuki. So, Yeah, I would say that he's basically the Dark Lord. He's the Voldemort of wrestling. You have to go through the devil before you get to heaven. What was your first impression when you saw him? I mean, you may have heard about him before, but the first like time you actually saw Suzuki in the ring, what did you think? Fear, just not wanting to go to sleep. After that, he the the flames shaved in his head. Just it just from the beginning instills fear in you, and you know that this this man's a bad motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I I felt like when I first saw him, you know, you see the haircut he had, and that was back before he had like the shaved head. He had that weird like kind of almost like mullet thing in the back. And, um, I just remember thinking this guy looks like a crazy person and then watching him wrestle. It's, you want to like, be okay. Does he know that they're not supposed to actually be hurting each other? Um, you know, it's, it's an incredible 
talent to watch the way that he does that. And like the fact that he's so well respected in the industry, you know, he's actually still protecting people. So I think that's pretty unique. What about you? What did, well, do you even remember your first, uh, like how long ago as you saw him, Chris? God, I don't know. I, I, I always heard of the name from him being associated with Pancras and, um, UWFI, but I never actually saw him in the ring before. And at first it was like, okay, he's got the most basic, outfit on i don't get it and then the moment he starts wrestling go oh i completely get it he's a japanese terry funk um but just more sinister um and enjoys losing too which is a great character trait too i think he likes getting beat um and that makes him an interesting character as well so i gave the match four stars that was my match of the week as well um i love the beginning of the match where the crowd was so into it even for just submission moves popping very very loud you heard the yes chance and because we're in miami c chance uh then that gave way to them going tit for tat and teeing off on each other and the first time uh suzuki got hit in the chest after the crowd was silenced he goes and backs up which sometimes they don't sell in these in, in, in new japan they just go at each other and sometimes there's not a story behind it which is fine but that moment of him taking a breather and coming back and then hitting him with that forearm I totally got suckered in and I was like, oh no, he's got concussion problems. Like don't hit him too hard. <laughs> and just like a complete mark and suckered into it. Um, and I worry for uh, Danielson. And then as I'm watching the match, the story that was told to me, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I felt like this is who uh, Brian Danielson is going to become. He's going to become Suzuki when he's in his fifties. He's still going to wrestle. He's still going to hit as hard as possible. And he's going to let, uh, people go over on him uh, and he's going to make other people. So I love the story of the match. And I also love the, just this simple ending of it. The fact that they didn't do um, a bunch of um, false finishes. There wasn't like a kick out from the gotch pile driver. They were doing submission wrestling kind of went full circle. And then he hit him with a knee, very simple, but brutal ending, fantastic match. And I think it's been, um, it's so funny that it's not the best match that Brian Danielson has had so far, which says something about his uh, rejuvenation in AEW. I just have to say, shout out to us for getting Brian Danielson correct every single time. All of that. <laughs> great progress. Yeah. I, that was one of my things is like, make it a point to not call him the other name. Let's just get out of that and call him the right thing. <laughs> Right. I almost feel I almost feel like uh, Minoru Suzuki beat his name into us this <laughs> yeah. last Friday. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so let's go into moment of the week. Alex, what was your moment of the week? My moment of the week was hearing Miro's promo since losing the TNT title. Um, there was actually a couple of different spots that I considered for this this week. Uh, things like the Dark Order, their whole match had a couple of different cool things, but overall. Miro has been one of the most underrated signings to me in wrestling in the last five years, really. I think the things that he's been able to do, he came in with that weird gamer gimmick, wasn't a fan. I don't think anybody was. And this is one of the strengths of AEW. They did a great job of pivoting and turning him into the most compelling character that I can really think of uh, that they've had. Yeah, and the fact that they were able to reheat him so quickly, like you said, and then even now reheat him, where he's not wrestling again, he's not in the tournament, he's not doing a return match right away. They're giving him time to breathe, and that was a great promo that looked different. It was shot differently. 
Um, it had a great intensity in the fact that he showed vulnerability talking about how he has a body of granite, but a neck of sand. Just love that. Like he's such a nuanced character and he's very terrifying um, and he feels legit. And that's, he's a unique wrestler that is very, very his own person. There's no, no one like him right now. Um, And that's a lot of fun to watch. It really is. And I think it, it's unique in the sense that, a lot of times you can see where they're going to take a character. You have an idea what somebody's character is and what it's going to do. But this whole, even when he was God's favorite champion, I didn't know what they were going to do with him once they moved on from that. And then now that he's he's no longer the champion, is he going to lose that God? Is he going to still be connected to it? There's just, there's just a lot kind of like on the table to see where he goes. Um, I'm personally really hoping that uh, once we get Hangman as champion, assuming that's that is coming soon, um, I'm hoping we get a good Miro Hangman feud. Don't want it to be first. I want to shout out to my buddy Dominique who said the same thing because I don't want him to lose. I want Miro to win the title when he has that feud, and I don't know that he's necessarily ne- next in line. But in my book, in terms of character, I would love to see him win the big one. Um. And for me, I'm going to take it on slightly bit of a lighter side. Um, I think the moment of the week for me was CM Punk on commentary asking the hardest hitting question there is if Kira Hogan has any relation to another Hogan we know. Bob Hogan, Paul Hogan, Hogan's heroes. No, it's all great. HH, like we know him. Um, and we all know the his historied past of uh, CM Punk calling calling him out on Twitter and online interviews that it's just no surprise from him, but just hilarious to hear on live television and JR trying to sneak his way past this and end the conversation as soon as possible. What do you think, Chris? It's not often you get a Ben Hogan reference on <laughs> wrestling, so that was pretty great. I was dying laughing. I thought that was one of the better um, just subtle deliveries and – clearly just making themselves pop in the uh, booth there. So that was fun as hell for me. Yeah. I felt like overall punk seemed to have so much fun in the booth this week. Uh, It kind of, it felt more like almost like dark commentary. I don't know if you guys watch a whole lot of AEW dark on YouTube, but when Taz and Excalibur, it feels like those two are literally just trying to make each other pop and make each other crack up. And that's kind of how punk felt multiple times. Um, We'll get into it in a little bit, but uh, you know, even when he just no sold the FTR stuff immediately when he could tell that they were the super frogs, um, that type of stuff, I think, is really fun. And, you know, we were used to hearing commentary that is a little bit, you know, drier and it's, you know, hit, hit this hashtag, hit this, you know, it's all these like certain kind of corporate things, which I understand that, you know, at the end of the day, wrestling's a business. But for me. Uh, I just think it's been so fun to hear guys like punk on commentary and this week really highlighted that. Yeah, they're having fun and they're not hitting these scripted bullet points um, and it's not inauthentic and um, there's no Maggle. We're not having fun out there, Maggle. Like that's so nice to not, again, we're not trying to bash the competition. We're not trying to bash the other channel, but boy, oh boy, that is very refreshing that they're having a good time and they're making each other laugh. It's um organic uh and it is a throwback to the 90s we'll talk about it later on in my cringeworthy segment of the week but um they definitely are keeping themselves entertained too which is always good to hear absolutely and what was your what was your moment chris mine was the finish for the malachi black and dante martin match 
Um, I love the match itself. I thought that was a three-star match, but I love the ending of it where um, Leo Rush knows that the person that he's uh, bidding on and that he's going to take advantage of couldn't get it, couldn't get the job done. And just the look of contempt and disgust when he realizes that um, Dante Martin is finished and he took one hell of a kick and it made that kick seem like such a legitimate finish. And there's such an overusage and overabundance of kicks, super kicks, knees, and striking in AEW right now. So to have one kick that is the, um, what the super kick used to be back in the nineties. So it's cool to see like a finisher where, you know, that is a finish and no one is getting up from that. It's probably the most protected finish since the one wing angel. Um, and I love the fact that Malachi black, uh, has such a unique character and feels very unique as well. Kind of like Miro, but on another level. Um, and it made me think of the new Batman trailer that came out and like, wow, he could be like the new, um, Robert, Patterson, whatever the hell that kid's name is, uh, he can be that kind of like that type of brooding badass uh, face uh, eventually when he does do that turn. Uh, and then finally, to end it all, he gave the nod to Dante Martin at the end, which I thought was a cool, um, uh, cool moment as well, because it kind of made me think of when Taker beat up uh, Jeff Hardy and gave him that nod or when uh, Taker gave props to John Cena when he first debuted. So you know that AEW thinks very highly of Dante Martin, even though he perpetually loses every time he's on Rampage or Dynamite. They still have so much faith in him, and it's cool to see that something's going to come from it. Yeah, and first of all, just to echo what you said, that sell of that kick was beautiful like sometimes when you when you see the replay on on his kicks it and it goes back to his time in in wwe um you would kind of notice that he didn't fully connect or there would be like kind of just a moment of like uh okay maybe don't show that replay but when they showed the replay i feel like it looked like it hurt even worse and so that was a great sell great kick i think leo rush is somebody who i haven't been particularly interested in in the past but now he's been really good. I think I, once again, I, we can keep talking about like these characters, seeing what he's been doing so far. And you could tell that he's got like a little bit of like, you could tell that there's something that he's working on that isn't as pure as he's pretending it is when he's like, I'm going to work with Dante Martin. I'm going to be your new tag team partner. Like, you know that he's actually up to something, but you're not quite sure. And I'm sure it's going to lead to some sort of when Dante's brother comes back, you're going to probably see a feud between Leo and him of, over, you know, the whole tag team thing. But I'm really looking forward to it. And I think that those two as a tag team are going to be, I, they're going to be like lightning speed the way that they move and the way they can jump. So it's going to be a really exciting tag team. And I look forward to matches with them against teams like the Bucks. I mean, even FTR, which would be a lot slower or Lucha Brothers and things like that. Yeah, and Leo Rush is such an organic heel where he's very unlikable and he has he has like good go away X-Pac heat, you know, where like um, it's not obnoxious, turn the channel heat, but you just don't like him. And maybe that was with his retirement or what the hell is this guy doing? Who knows? But he does get under your skin and he's extremely unlikable. And he's also someone that you know can cost Dante Martin losses where that tag team can still use be used to put someone else over and it doesn't hurt either of them. 
Yeah, it definitely intrigued me to what Alex brought up of Dante Martin's brother and tag team partner in Top Flight being out for, it feels like it's been for so long, that once he finally comes back, is this going to have this kind of, some kind of feud between Dante, Leo, his brother, Leo, and who knows where that's going to go. And I also wanted to talk just about how you were saying Malachi Black being such a great striker and technically sound. His Muay Thai influence is insane. Just the takedowns that he had on Dante were astonishing. Cool. So let's go into what was your cringeworthy moment of the week? My cringeworthy moment, as I kind of briefly touched on a little bit, was the FTR reveal as the Lucha team for Andrade. Now, I think that if this had been done better, it actually would have been a really cool move and everything like that. And it would have been great. But for me watching, like I didn't think that I knew that that was going to happen leading up to it or not necessarily that it was going to be FTR, but that it would be a tag team that wasn't like some famous Lucha team, that it would be some heel team. And I feel like in that moment, there should have been a little bit better of foreshadowing in the like week leading up and talking about it. They like truly made it seem like it was a going to be a famous Lucha team. And there was a lot of people that were excited about potential, like a dragon Lee showing up. I think that overall it was a good idea, just really poor execution for me. Um, and I have to agree as well. Um, this definitely caused my cringe of the week. Um, but going forward into it, when you see the backstage and interaction between MJF and Andrade, it just seems so awkward. Like they, like they never had talked about this before. Andrade just kind of cash or check. What do you want? This could have been such a great way to incorporate an attack on Darby Allen last week and hiring goons. Like, of course, Andrade's kind of got that like black mask, Batman villain kind of vibe. You like, you would expect him to have some kind of goons around the corner that can come beat up the punk on a skateboard. So do something with that. And just, it seemed like a, fail on a quick story that's going to hopefully cause a, a huge feud down the road. Well, it's funny because you guys are both wrong. This was awesome. I totally, totally disagree with you guys on a plethora of levels. First thing, were you honestly expecting someone to come in? I'm just curious. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Did you have like a name in mind? Like, like Dragon Lee or you said Rush or, okay. Yeah. So there was a lot of belief that it was going to be dragon lee and i think like jolistico because they had recently like announced that they were going to challenge for the titles uh, um so there was there was that little bit of a tie-in okay so i because of the leak that tony khan had on his sheet of paper the other day knowing that uh they were scheduled and penciled in to face um fdr was scheduled to face uh lucha bros i was like oh okay it's obviously going to be them um and so i kind of saw it coming or didn't really care that that was going to be it. And it also helps them to get over this uh, silly, okay, there's a surprise coming every time and it's going to be a new debut and it's going to be a new signing. They do have to like break the fans off of thinking that that's going to happen because then you're going to get Big Show and Christian, which that would have been hilarious <laughs> if that was the reveal, just like how pissed off all the fans would be. They just immediately turn them heel nonsensically. Now, I agree with you on one point. It was weird that Andrade um, never came out to the ring during the match. And I was like, oh, no, because they sometimes do have a habit of forgetting things and just going in another direction and pivoting and forgetting a little bit about the uh, small details. However, I love that that, uh, sequence in the the back there because it's heels 
commingling for skullduggery. Who doesn't enjoy that? And at least he's paying him off. And hopefully it, it gives uh, Andrade the opportunity to join Pinnacle, which I think would be kind of cool. And maybe you just don't have Sean Spears. In it. Yeah, I think that I think, like I said, it was it was more on the execution for me. And you had the thought of what was going to happen because of that leaked piece of paper. I didn't really think to connect those two things. Um, and I just felt like it's one of those things where I, I want you to introduce the idea like subtly somehow. And maybe I missed it. Like if I were to go back and watch a week or two ago, maybe there was something that I should have caught that would have told me that it wasn't necessarily going to be a true Lucha tag team. I just thought that it felt a little bit like not necessarily false advertisement. I'm not like upset about it. I just thought that it kind of fell flat for me um, because it felt like they didn't really give me a reason to expect that that could happen, um, which then just triggers you to like those old ideas of Vince Russo swerving just to swerve you, bro. So I think that was kind of where it came from. Uh, but overall, I think that what it leads to in terms of uh, FTR versus the Lucha Brothers, especially uh, as a pay-per-view match, absolutely excited for that. So I can kind of look past it from that aspect for sure. Okay, so here's my first hot take of the show. I'm afraid that the Forbidden Door will be closed if they do hot shot title changes. Hear me out. If mm-hmm. the title change is not the conclusion it's not the climax it's just part of the building action it devalues the title and then in hindsight companies are going to be less willing to do a title change on aew a little paranoid a little really overthinking shit but that's kind of my fear is that like maybe they don't do title changes on aew anymore and other companies because what it does is it saves aew to not have to do a title change and not devalue their titles so they're able to devalue someone else's title I don't know. Yeah. Just kind of paranoid. I was thinking about that and I was like, is that like a stupid ass hot take? I don't know. But it did make me think about that of like, oh, I hope they get out of this habit of like, well, we can just do the impact title change or we can do a, a ring of honor title change because who gives a shit? Yeah, I think that that's a fair point, especially if you look at the way that the U.S., uh, the Japanese uh, U.S. title went where it went from Mox to Lance Archer. And then I think Lance I Archer forgot, lost it. I like, forgot about that. I completely forgot. So there's three titles that have changed. Have they done the impact take title titles yet or no? Tag titles? No, because the Good Brothers have pretty Good much had have, them okay, yeah. the entire time. But um, even looking at Christian being the yeah. title holder, I mean, I think we'll probably see not to get too far into that, but I think Josh Alexander is probably about to win that. And he's a star for, uh, for impact wrestling. He's somebody who I kind of hope they take, uh, to AEW, but I definitely think that there's also just like that weirdness of like, so impact gave Kenny that title and then Kenny didn't even drop his title to an impact person. So I think in those cases, right. especially you have it's not so much a hot take because really what did impact get out of it? Maybe a couple weeks of better ratings, but ultimately like from what I've seen, I don't think people are really continuing to watch impact since Kenny has relinquished that title. Definitely. I definitely think there's some validity to what you're thinking there. Like, and hopefully it just doesn't create that stoppage of companies wanting to come and interact with them because that why cheapen ours and improve your brand and, yeah, that's kind of a scary thought to this door that's been open, that's been forbidden for so long. Because it's such a cool concept and I don't want to see that go away. 
Um, and they have such good equity and it feels like AEW is not out to hurt someone and not out to compete and to hurt the competition. But if people look back on it and they go, Hey, our business isn't going up at all. And we're not getting any more viewers. I could see them getting bitter or jealous them being the other companies and not wanting to do this anymore. I'm putting way too much fucking thought into this, but it's just on my mind when I watch it. I was like, oh no, this could this could lead to something horrible. I don't want to see that happen. Well, yeah, and just to kind of wrap it up, it's there was another issue I remember a few months ago where Sammy Guevara was at a Nashville taping for Impact, and then there was a disagreement on he was supposed to lose to somebody, and they were like, nope. He's not. So he jumped on a plane and left and didn't end up doing the taping. So AEW has pulled people or maybe Sammy pulled himself. I don't know who kind of was the person who made that decision, but we're already seeing it from the AEW side. And there are potential there's potential for the other companies to be like, okay, we're not getting enough out of this for it to continue being worth it. So here's to hoping we get Okada in uh, in AEW before that comes. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's the whole point of the forbidden door is to one day have an Okada Kenny Omega pay-per-view. Okay. So my uh, cringeworthy moment of the week was uh, the Penelope Ford and Kiara Hogan match. Um, And let me preface by stating that I want to see the TBS title be as viable as the TNT title is. And for that to happen, the matches have to look more polished and it can't just be I'm rehearsing moves in a fake wrestling match. And they were just sleepwalking through moves and just walking so slow, um, calling spots audibly. They had that bad botch, which was okay. And Penelope Ford like took advantage of it and put her on a hold and knew what to do as a veteran. But then it didn't help that the commentators just started to make jokes and were entertaining themselves. And so I got the feeling watching it that they must have saw them rehearse it with Dustin in the ring during the day. And we're like, oh, this is going to be the fucking drizzling shits. And let's just entertain ourselves. Like they made jokes of like, uh, what a maneuver, pal. Like they did the Vince jokes in there and they were just making each other laugh. And Tony got into talking about the, tbs title and it felt like i was watching like an episode of nitro from 1996 where they're just disengaged as to what's going on in the ring and they're just talking about promoting something with the nwo or promoting some other thing and they're just not as engaged in the in the match itself so i was a little bit um cringed out by that just because they have to um feature women's wrestling better still um they have a long way to go Britt baker's a fantastic champion and she's awesome but she can't compete for the TBS title and they need to have other people in contention. And to do that, the matches that do get featured in spotlight are going to have more scrutiny on them. Uh, so it was a little bit rough to watch that match. Yeah. I, those two had the chemistry of Chris talking to a waitress. Um, just absolutely, (laughs) just absolutely no meshing there. And, um, Overall, I, I, it was one of those matches where I like Penelope. Uh, usually yeah. I feel like she has some pretty good matches and I feel like Kiara has had some good matches back when she was in impact. I haven't seen a whole lot of her stuff on dark that she's done so far with AEW, but it's two people that aren't incapable of having a good match. It was just, there was no, no connection. And it, it, it's kind of a bummer that on the heels of the TBS title announcement, that was like kind of the next women's match that we really saw because I think they're both capable of more and hopefully we'll get a chance to see that. But 
you know, there was definitely some awkward moments. Like you mentioned, there was that weird botch kind of early on when they were running the ropes. And then luckily Penelope kind of saved it a little bit, but then also as much as it's fun when the commentators are having fun and, and making the jokes of, Oh, is Kiara Hogan related to a different Hogan? It starts to feel a little bit mean when the match quality isn't there and they're doing that. Mm-hmm. And they, and you can tell when they're just going into business for themselves and entertaining themselves, which is like, it is what it is. Hey, we got some enjoyment out of it and got some good jokes, but nevertheless, it was a little bit like, Oh shit, they know this is going to be bad. And uh, I was surprised that the match went on as long as it did. Like first, that was a seven minute match too. Um, That could have been just one segment without the commercial break. So let's go now into news of the week. So I want to go into what was the news item, Alex, that stood out to you uh, that caught your eye? Well, it's it's news, but it's a little bit of a rumor. And I mean, it's fed by Tony Khan. So I take that as a sign that it's probably coming soon. And that's about an AEW streaming site. He was on Barstool's Wrestling Podcast, and he kind of mentioned in there that he's looking to do some sort of a streaming service. And then he kind of hinted to, we have a great relationship with Warner Media, uh, which is then related to HBO Max. So to see them make a deal that would be similar to Peacock would be great. I think, first of all, if we don't have to pay for pay-per-views, I would love that. Although I honestly have not regretted you know, a single pay-per-view that we've bought yet. And we've bought every single AEW pay-per-view since uh, actually All In. So even prior to it, it really existing. But in order to have it so that it's a little bit more accessible to people, I would love to see that be, be kind of the next move for uh, AEW. I think that it'll really establish them truly as somebody who's on a similar level to the WWE. I don't think that they're there yet. I don't think they're the same level, um, but I definitely think that that'll give them a little bit more legitimacy when people are looking at this secondary wrestling company. And I have HBO Max, so I'm a big fan of them having everything streaming on that. Yeah, I would say that I selfishly feel the same way. Who wouldn't love to go from watching Entourage into full gear? Just Turtle and then Darby Allen. Imagine that like as a cross-promotional five-man tag. Johnny Drama. (laughs) They're on real time with Bill Maher. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but it's funny too, you mentioned putting the pay-per-views on there. Maybe they do, um, they learn from the WWE Network and they do have pay-per-views off it and they just show replays because that, the last pay-per-view, I think it drew like $10 million and that's a lot of money and Granted, maybe they do get offered something that's such a huge lump sum, like like uh, Universal did with Peacock, where they just have to take it. But uh, I love the idea of them keeping pay-per-view because pay-per-view is still alive. Those silly Jake Paul, Logan Paul, whatever the hell those guys there, those things sold a shitload of copies and buys. Yeah, and at the end of the day, like I think that for, as a fan, you get like they have to deliver. And I think that AEW still would. But it's a lot easier to kind of sit back and relax when you're not really worried about the buy numbers or even the watch numbers. Obviously, they want people watching because people watching means they're going to buy tickets and they're going to buy merch at those events and things like that. But they're not going to have that same urgency to book the perfect card to sell 200,000 pay-per-views like they did last time. So, you know, While I would like to have it where it's already included in my costs that I pay per month when it comes to HBO Max, I also know that there's another side that comes with it, and it's it's that they can kind of sit back a little bit more, and they can be a little bit less 
competitive when it comes to their pay-per-views. Yeah, and I don't want to see it or see it go the way of music where it's streaming and it's free and it totally is devalued. It just freaks me out like that. It, it, I, I just see the comparison there. Yep. And once you once you give it for free, you can never you can never take that. Right, back. Yeah, you can't take it back. So like you have some good leverage in this negotiation with, you know, getting whatever money you get, like say you they average that you were going to get one hundred and seventy five thousand buys for every pay-per-view or whatever. But say three years down the line when that deal, that original deal is up. HBO Max can completely cut that. So uh, it's definitely a, a risk because we haven't really complained because we never got pay-per-views for free from AEW. I think it was hard to swallow when we first saw those prices just because we are so used to that $10 a month with the WWE Network. But if you give me free pay-per-views and then take them away, uh, I'm going to get real toxic on this podcast. We don't need those dark days. Um, and if I can go into my news of the week, um, the Eliminator Tournament is finally out there. But I have to say, I don't know about you guys. I don't recall seeing it actually be released on TV. I had to go online to find the names and the matches that were going to be in it. But regardless, it's a tournament. I'm in love. And I just think that this build to the, the full year tournament is going to be great. The, the matchups I'm really looking forward to. I want to talk about maybe a few later but i'm just excited that we finally got that out there no matter means of finding it it's out there and it's here yeah that was mine as well i was excited to see the brackets too um i think it was yeah it was at an awkward moment because it was after um i think they were i think they showed it like the, the very tail end of the show um, oh. so maybe your dvr cut off or i don't know what the hell but they showed it briefly but um yeah, I like the brackets. I like the idea of Danielson and Dustin, which doesn't seem like a fresh matchup or a great match, but I just think they'll have weird, freaky chemistry, or that'll be great. And then on the other side of the uh, of that bracket, you have uh, Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston, and that'll be a fantastic match, hopefully leading to Lance and uh, Danielson in the semifinal. Um, I would love to see those two wrestle and compete, and I think Archer is such a unique character himself and does need to be featured more. And I think the other side of the bracket brings us, hopefully, a John Moxley heel turn. Um, I, he's going to just destroy the Dark Order geek, and then he'll um, probably beat uh, Orange Cassidy. And I think that can be the beginning, the gestation of him turning heel because he's such a beloved guy. Yeah, or even, I don't think that this will be the final matchup because I, I still think it'll be Mox versus Danielson. but. Kingston's on the other side of that too. So, you know, I know we already had them face off earlier when Kingston was a heel and Mox was a face, but you could also see the turn happen in that sense too, because those two have been kind of best friends uh, since what about March or so. And, or I guess it was February when Eddie went out to save him during the, uh, the exploding barbed wire match. So I think that that's a way to turn him heel, but I think selfishly, I'd really like to see, Brian Danielson versus John Moxley, but also we don't need to rush that because we'll get that sooner or later. Yeah. Awesome. So let's go into what we're anticipating moving forward. So Alex, what's the thing that you're fanatical about and looking forward to? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to Pac versus Andrade too this week. I think oh, yeah. it's going to be on, on Rampage. I, I was telling Sean yesterday, actually, I'm surprised that they had this as a pre-taped match yet again, because it seems to me like such a hot match. Uh, you know, it was supposed to be a pay-per-view match originally, and then they put it on Rampage, and now they're doing it again. 
Um, I think it's going to be great. It'll be interesting to see how it goes after last time Andrade won due to the help of Chavo. And now Chavo is not in the picture. I think obviously there's a good chance that we'll see some tie in with MJF and his crew uh, or potentially the Lucha Brothers being involved to uh, get a little bit of revenge for last week. So I think whenever you get those two in a ring together, it's going to be magic. Uh, So they can pretty much do it as much as they want. I won't get sick of it. And I'm really just overall looking forward to more Andrade, hopefully over these next few months. And I hope that kind of this match kind of propels us to seeing what he's truly capable of in AEW, because I think that they've been very slow with him, very similar to what they did with Miro. And uh, it's going to be great once he really does kind of fully turn on the Jets. Definitely agree with what you're saying about the kind of slow build with Miro, but thankfully they haven't done the whole best man gimmick. Just he's kind of come out, done his thing, kicked away his little advisor, Chavo, which I didn't want to interrupt you when you said it, but, oh, Chavo. Just, Beautiful. I'm, I'm, I'm looking, ex- I'm really excited to hopefully see this match turn out to be what we really hoped for that first match, which was almost there, but then we have this little fuck finish at the end that kind of, mucks up the the memory of it all no i agree i'm excited for it too i think it's going to be a great match and um i saw messages about on uh, squared circle on reddit of it being like a good match or better than the first one they already had so um you're getting reports both ways um so god you know think about it too like how lucky are you as an AEW fan if you went to this miami show like just all the stuff that they taped and like you like, like especially if you paid for both nights, just the idea of like, wow, you got a ton of awesome content and like not knowing what the hell was going to be on the cards. Yeah, I feel like AEW, if they announced a show in Detroit and they told us we are not going to tell you a single thing that's going to happen, if they did like a mystery vortex like PWG does, I would 100% believe in that show and I would know that I was going to get my money's worth. And I think that that's a really unique thing to be able to say about any wrestling company in any generation of the business. Agreed, agreed. But what I'm truly looking forward to, as I was saying a little bit earlier, was the Eliminator Tournament matches that are coming out. Seeing Moxley versus uh, 10, just a big beefcake like 10 going up against Moxley here and Wild Thing come out and just having that blood pumping through your veins as soon as he's there. I think it's going to be quick and easy, like you're saying. Like Clearly, he's going to push him around like a geek. But then you build to Orange Cassidy and Powerhouse Hobbs, which also a pre-taped match that I've seen online, at least just people giving great praise to Orange Cassidy, kind of not taking the whole lackadaisical approach in that match. And... I'd have, be happy to see that. And then we have Mox just tear him away and build for that Moxley Danielson feud with hopefully some little bit of fuckery in the what would be a Danielson Kingston semifinal that would kind of spark that Moxley heel turn just to really get that going. And it's just going to be great. So you're not going with Dustin winning at all? Dustin blades out in the first match and can't compete for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, what are the odds that Dustin gets a hard way or just bleeds? Not he just bleeds much. bleeds from a head kick. It's, <laughs> it's gonna be pointless. We joke about it now, but watch like next week. It's gonna be the goriest match. He just like gets a gusher. Worse than the the Cody Dustin match. For yeah. Sure. Well, if you're a Rhodes, you can bleed buckets. You can have a, a ten point on the Muta scale. Um, I'm looking forward to. 
um, the FTR and Lucha Bros program. I think that match was great, but they obviously held a lot back and there were some comedy spots and some goofiness going on there. Uh, and I think, like you mentioned too, Alex, if they're able to go full reign on pay-per-view and if they're given 20 minutes like the Bucks match in the cage, um, that will be one of the all-time classic matches. And I think they have that competitive drive in them where they want to have the best tag team match of all time and they want to beat the uh, Bucks and Kenny Omega hangman match. And I know that that's what motivates them. And those are going to be some incredible false finishes too because you have truly baby faces versus heels and they'll be able to do all sorts of shitty stuff as the shitty uncles that those two are. Uh, <laughs> as uh, your asshole uncles. I always think of the FTR as that. Um, and that is going to be one hell of a match. And uh, yeah, just get to see Ray Phoenix flip around and do some awesome shit and kick out of stuff and pull together some great moves. There's going to be some amazing sequences in that. And I think the feud hopefully doesn't even stop with the Lucha Brothers. Hopefully it continues through the whole Lucha industry. Like FTR has just been so anti what they are. This that this could create some great clash of style matches. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking. Yeah, good point. I wasn't even thinking of that. And that will be interesting to see how they ground them and make that part of the psychology too, because they're not going to want to do some of those traditional spots. Um, So that'll be interesting too, to see how they play that out. The amount of heat they could get down in Mexico from just being grapplers on the ground and just hitting with lariats. Fantastic. Well, yeah, and then just another angle of it is I believe in this feud, FTR will stand for follow the rules because you're looking at probably two of the the most like strict in terms of this is what you're supposed to do in wrestling. You hold the rope, hold the uh, you know, you you can only break, uh, do a break one time from a pin. Otherwise, you know, any other future ones are illegal. And then you're facing the Lucha Brothers who their only rule is I have to get in at least two Canadian destroyers in this match. And so I think that's going to be a fun clash of styles in that regard as well. And I think we'll probably see them call them out a little bit for that too, which is fun because there's a lot of purists and, um, you know, people who will kind of talk crap about AEW for the fact that they don't have a whole lot of uh, rules when it comes to their tag matches. So I think that that could be kind of a little bit of a unique thing for them to look at when they are uh, having this feud. Awesome. So I'm going to wrap up the show today. So uh, please subscribe on iTunes and uh, what do you favorite on Spotify? I don't have Spotify and Pandora. You heart save, follow. Okay. (laughs) Rate, review, subscribe, follow. And for the love of God, please love pro wrestling. And please uh, treat this podcast like it took place in the Tokyo Dome. (laughs) Five stars only. And let's hit the music, boys.